Time now for sports on 104.7 The Cave. Here's Ned Reynolds. Mike, the intern, Ned Reynolds, back in the studio on a Tuesday morning. So, soft work yesterday for reasons undisclosed, but uh, obviously I'm constantly paying attention to what's happening with the Kansas City Chiefs and watching what was going on in the free agency. Uh, Yesterday was very interesting, losing one, but gaining, I think, one hell of an offensive lineman. Just to be official, it cannot occur until tomorrow. That's the opening of NFL business. But, yeah, these deals have been uh, essentially made. The addition to the Chiefs is a guy named Jawan Taylor. He's a 6'5", 311-pound right tackle. That's what he was with the Jacksonville Jaguars, and the Chiefs have agreed to a four-year, $80 million contract with him. He's reported to be a very good pass protector out of the University of Florida. That's the addition. Of course, that really means, Mike, more than anything else, that Orlando Brown's not coming back. They don't expect him back, so he won't be back. So pencil in the name Jawan Taylor from the University of Florida as the new offensive lineman. Now, they'll have to shift him over to left tackle on the offensive line. You wouldn't think that's a big move, but it, it does have some different circumstances because your perspective in blocking is different, but he can pick that up. The, the subtraction from the Chiefs is Andrew Wiley. That's a bit of a surprise, I think, to us and to the Chiefs. He'd been courted by the Washington Commanders. He wanted a long-term contract with the Chiefs, wasn't going to get it, so he was with Washington. So a guy who really has been with the Chiefs for, what, about five years now? He didn't start with them, but that's where he has ended up and played in some championship-level football games, is leaving. He's going to the Washington Commanders for, for three years. So it's an addition and subtraction, but that happens. A lot more to come. I can guarantee you that in the next few days for sure. Uh, Parasad notes this morning. I knew we were going to talk about this today when I read you know, this, this yesterday. This guy was uh, an icon in my first years at KY3, actually my final years in the Navy. This is one of the most innovative track and field athletes ever in the game, Dick Fosbury. The Fosbury flop, folks, it did not exist until this guy came on with the backward high jump. And while it was criticized at first... <laughs> It is what they all use now. Everybody launches themselves over the in the high jump over the pole, or over the bar, I should say, with their back instead of the western roll, the forward roll. And Fosbury is the guy who did this. Big 6'4 athlete out of Oregon State. Very personable individual on TV all the time. Won the gold medal at the 68 Olympics in Mexico City with a jump of 7'4 and a quarter. Seven feet, four and a quarter inches with the backward Fosbury flop. Left us yesterday at the age of 76. That is a, that's, that's really hard to believe because the guy was such a consummate athlete and indeed a, an innovator in the world of sports. The other sad note is uh, Joe Pepitone, who, gosh, he broke in when, gosh, I was a kid in college and later on in the service and, and after that as well. Pepitone was kind of the, the Yankee of some good Yankee teams and some down Yankee teams. a New Yorker, and he absorbed that role of the Yankees right to the fullest, kind of a charismatic, uh, very personable guy. The fans all loved him. Good player, several-time All-Star. Later, he played for the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros, and he was, uh, he was around for 11 years. I wouldn't call him a great player, but he did end up with something like 271 home runs on his career. But he left us yesterday at the age of 82, Joe Pepitone. Dick Fosbury and Joe Pepitone leaving us. You know that point where we're starting to uh, lose some of our heroes, and it doesn't feel very good, Ned. All right, I'll tell you something that does feel good. So I'm watching uh, the free agency news yesterday, and I read that the 
Las Vegas Raiders are going to sign a quarterback that has never beaten the Kansas City Chiefs before, and that makes me happy. And I don't think he's going to this time either. (laughs) I'm a little surprised the Raiders did this. This is Jimmy Garoppolo, who has agreed to sign tomorrow with the Las Vegas Raiders, and he'll be... He'll be the replacement for Derek Carr. Is he a step above Carr? I don't think so. I think Carr is the better QB. I was a Derek Carr fan, not from a team standpoint, but from a quarterback. He handled things well. Garoppolo had some good years with the San Francisco 49ers, but he has been since replaced, and it's rather interesting circumstance because he's being replaced by three guys in the 49ers QB system. I'll talk about that in just a split second, but Garoppolo has agreed to join the Las Vegas uh, Vegas Raiders and to try to guide them from the hinterlands into championship level. Now, who will replace him? Well, of course, Trey Lance already had, but he sat out last year. Brock Purdy from Iowa State played very well. And yesterday, the 49ers signed Sam Darnold from the New York Jets as kind of a backup. So it'll be a a three-way battle for the QB position, but I really suspect that Trey Lance is going to win the thing. You know that when I saw they were they were picking up Sam, I was like, didn't they already have a fight going on in San Francisco for who's going to take that? Why would you need to add somebody else into that ring? But you never know. You never have too many quarterbacks sometimes, Ned. So even though we just had selection Sunday and everyone's gearing up for the national tournament. College basketball necessarily isn't over here locally, is it? Even with the Selection Sunday going on, there were no Springfield area team. One, well, one team, two teams, I should say, from the state were mentioned. Mizzou, of course, is going to the NCAA, and so was the team from your area, Southeast Missouri. First time in, what, 22 or 23 years at the Southeast Missouri Red Hawks. They used to be the Indians, but they're now changed to the Red Hawks. First time they've been going, and that's great. They play tonight, incidentally. But the big news, as far as we're concerned here in the city, is the Missouri State Lady Bears. And they will play in the WNIT. That's the Women's National Invitation Tournament. Good competition. There is a play-in round, but the Lady Bears are not competing in it. They are competing tomorrow night in Lincoln, Nebraska. And they will play the Nebraska Lady Cornhuskers out of the Big Ten Conference. Missouri State has has the better record of both those teams. But Nebraska gets the home feet, home court, I should say, advantage and the nod in this one as a favorite role because they played a tougher schedule. They played in the Big Ten with Iowa and Ohio State and some of the major powers in that league. And they're going to get a chance at the WNIT against the Lady Bears. This will be very interesting. Lady Bears can win this game, and I think they have a very good shot at doing so. Now on to the big show. Playing tournament starts tonight in the NCAA. Who do you like? First, there are two games tonight mm-hmm. and then two games tomorrow night. This is what they call the first four. And the winners of these games, the winners of these four games, <laughs> graduate onto the big round starting Thursday and Friday, and they all play. Well, not, that's not true to say they don't all play the number one seeds, but the winner of the first game tonight, which is Texas A&M Corpus Christi against Southeast Missouri, the winner of that one gets Alabama. Ooh, boy. But be that as it may, Southeast Missouri, which has plenty of ties to the Missouri State Bears, the head coach, Brad Korn, was an assistant coach up here uh, under uh, Paul Lusk for a number of years and a former Southern Illinois player. He's the head coach at uh, Southeast Missouri. 
and his assistant is Keith Pickens, who played here for Conzo Martin, coached for Conzo Martin, and also coached for Paul Lusk. So both those guys are on the Southeast Missouri State staff. They play Texas A&M Corpus Christi. The winner of that one gets Alabama on Thursday. There is a second game coming up tonight, and it's between a pair of so-called big-timers, Pittsburgh and Mississippi State, and they advance into the or I said they won't, but one of those teams will advance into the competition coming up uh, later on on Thursday. Two more games tomorrow night, and one of the games tomorrow night involves our old coach, Steve Alford. He'll be coaching the Nevada team. I mean, exciting stuff. Uh, also, I mean, the fact that uh, my old hometown, Cape Girardeau, has got a team in the tournament. When was the last time that happened? The year 2000, so it's been 23 years ago. Yeah, it's been a minute. I was already back here, but yeah, it's been it's been a while since Simo's been in the dance. All right, well, good luck to everyone playing in tonight and tomorrow night. Last but not least, uh, did Team USA finally wake those bats up? <laughs> you knew this had to happen somewhere along the line. And when Mexico unloaded on the USA and beat them 11-5, to you could see the USA team was a, a little bit annoyed by all of that because look at the power they have in that lineup. Well, somewhere along the line, it had to come to the fore, and it did last night against Canada. USA scored nine runs in the first inning. And I mean they're hitting the ball all over the place. Now, having said that, Canada took a chance with a 19-year-old left-hander who has not been above single-A baseball in this country, property of the Texas Rangers. And he's going to be a pretty good player. His name is Mitch Bratt. And he got up there, and he was shook. There is no question about it. 19-year-older before about 45,000 fans screaming, looking at that lineup and seeing Mike Trout and uh, Nolan Arnato and Schwarber wasn't in the lineup last night, but all these big sluggers at the... USA team has. <laughs> he, he didn't want to throw the ball over the plate. So it's it, the USA comes to bat in the first inning. First batter up is Mookie Betts, and he lines a shot into right field, a screaming single. Next two batters walk. The kid is obviously shook. And then here comes Nolan Arnato, and he smashes one down the left field line. Two runs come in, and the route is on. 12 to 1, USA won the game. They play again, USA tomorrow, play Columbia. And if the USA wins it, they are into the next round, which occurs in Miami later this weekend. USA's a very good team. They really aren't quite together yet, but nobody else is in spring training either. That's the way things work. However, they've got a lot of power on this ball club. Hell yeah, they do. Well, Ned, speaking of power, we're out. I'll see you tomorrow.